Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Justin Peters. I hope that you and your family are doing well today. I want to thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. And I'm doing this podcast because I believe the the SBC is a denomination under the judgment of God. I don't believe it's headed there. I think it is there. And I think what we're going to see in this video, in this podcast, what I'm going to show you is just some of the more recent invisible examples of why I and many others believe that as well. Now, let me say, um, I kind of want to head off this criticism at the get-go. I know that there are some good men who pastor Southern Baptist churches, churches that are still within that denomination. They have a, a high view of Scripture, uh, and they're 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 trying to hold on. I think they're trying to to right the ship. They see what's going on. They see uh, the incredible, incredible. Uh, theological compromise and downright heresy that is infecting um, almost all levels of the SBC, but they're trying to right the ship. And I, I appreciate what they're trying to do, but I, I really believe that at this point, the, the ship is the ship is going down. Uh, trying to save the SBC at this point is like trying to put floaties on the Titanic. Uh, it's just not going to work. Uh, the SBC is under God's judgment. And I, I think the time has come where the good guys and the good churches just need to need to get out, come out from among them. Uh, I'm not sure why you would want to hold on to a ship that God himself is sinking. And uh, many churches are leaving the SBC. Josh Bice's church recently did that and uh, many others. In fact, I just preached at a church a couple of weeks ago that left the SBC. In fact, the last two churches I've preached at have, have, la- have left the SBC, one considerably before the other one. But anyway, um, and that's what's happening. And, and I think what we're going to see in this video is just some of the, a few of the examples of why I and so many others believe that the SBC is under God's judgment. The SBC is fast capitulating on the issue of homosexuality. And that is what happens when you, when you go woke. That's what happens when you adopt, at any level, the social justice movement. Uh, you, you go woke and you begin to capitulate on theological issues that a decade ago, no one, myself included, would have ever dreamed the SBC would ever capitulate on. Especially something like homosexuality, something that is so clear from scripture there is the the scriptures are not uh ambiguous about homosexuality what it is the reproach that it is before god and that someone who is a homosexual absolutely will not inherit the kingdom of god it is one of the clear markers not the only one but it is a very clear marker of a lack of regeneration 10 years ago nobody would have dreamed the sbc would be where it is and yet, here we are. Um, I did a couple of presentations on my YouTube channel some months ago on the social justice movement. And uh, basically the thrust of it, I, I, I compared the social justice movement to a train. 
and when the engine of the social justice movement comes into your church, it's bringing a lot of cars along with it. And uh, all of those cars are hooked together. And once that engine comes in, every single one of these cars are coming in your church. Uh, the racial car that div- creates division on race when the Bible is very clear, Acts 17, 26, there is only one race. Uh, economic car, reparations. You've heard a lot in the news about reparations. Uh, there's the egalitarian car. Women preachers, female preachers. In some cases, uh, female pastors or associate pastors. You're seeing that more and more in the SBC. In fact, here's a, a photo of Rick Warren's church, Saddleback Church. Uh, Saddleback may be, it's certainly one of, if not the largest Southern Baptist church in the entire denomination. And um, Rick Warren last year, his church ordained three women as, as pastors. And another one of the cars is the homosexual car. And that car is coming in too, and it, it's here. It is within the SBC. There is, uh, as I said, fast capitulation on this issue. The first big open crack, I guess, in uh, the SBC with a homosexual issue, at least the, not, the, not really the first one, but the first one that, that was really big and I think caught a lot of people's attention, came in 2016. This you, you remember the shooting at the Orlando nightclub entitled Pulse, the Pulse nightclub in Orlando. And there were 49 people gunned down, murdered in that nightclub. Well, the Pulse nightclub is a homosexual nightclub. And there are 49 people in there murdered. And so the safe assumption is, is that the vast majority, if not all of those who were murdered, uh, were homosexual. I mean, I, I'm a straight man, and I can tell you, I don't know another single straight man who has any desire, even a non-Christian who has any desire to go to a homosexual nightclub. So safe assumption, and a very safe assumption that everybody in there is unregenerate. I mean, you, that's not a place that Christians go. So all of them were unregenerate. Um, tragic thing. I, I take, please understand, I take no joy. It was a horrible, horrible thing that happened. Um, well, First Baptist Church Orlando, one of the flagship churches of the Southern Baptist Convention, had a memorial service uh, for the victims of that shooting at the Pulse nightclub. First Baptist Church is pastored by a man named David Youth. And uh, so they had a, a memorial service. They invited a number of speakers to come in. And I want to show you some excerpts from this. One of the speakers was a man named Dr. Larry Mills. Dr. Larry Mills, excuse me, is the pastor of Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church. So I, it's not SBC, but it is a Baptist church. Uh, but a pastor, and he was invited as one of the speakers. Dr. Mill's text is 1 Peter chapter 2 that talks about a peculiar people and the chief cornerstone. You probably know that text. Watch what he does with it. There was a scripture found in 1 Peter chapter 2 that says, Unto you therefore which believe, he being Christ is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, stone which the builders disallowed, the same as made the headstone of the corner. 
and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient whereunto also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are not the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Okay, I want to interrupt just for a second. Notice in the background the, the board uh, that is behind Dr. Mills, and it's those names that you say, I know you can't read them, but those are names, and those are the names of the 49 people who were murdered uh, that night in the Pulse nightclub. And you have to watch the whole service. For time's sake, I don't, you can look it up on YouTube, you can find it. But they ushered in, at this service, they ushered in every single one of those people straight into heaven. On, on multiple times, they said that, that, that those people that were murdered are now in the presence of God, they are in heaven. Friends, they were homosexuals, the vast majority, at least, and 100% of them were unregenerate. As I said, Christians don't go to places like that. But they ushered them all into heaven. Okay, back to Dr. Mills. I read this passage and I thought about all of the things that's happening, and the word peculiar jumped out at me. Because what we find is that in our peculiarities in life, we're not peculiar because of race, gender, or creed. But in Orlando, we are peculiar because V pluribus unum. Out of many come one. Got to interrupt again. This is a gross mishandling of the text. Dear friends, the peculiar people... For one thing, it's only the King James that renders it that way. Maybe the New King James, I haven't looked it up. But it's the King, he's reading from the King James. And the word peculiar in the King James, <laughs> you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Uh, that word has a very different connotation today than it did 400 years ago. Uh, today, most English translations, the good ones, uh, New American Standard, Legacy Standard Bible, rightly render peculiar uh, very differently because it, it basically means uh, a people of God's own possession, people who belong to God, not, not peculiar in that they're weird or strange or odd or quirky, but that's how he's using it. That's not what that text means. The peculiar people uh, people for God's own choosing, who've been chosen by God as his own possession. That's what it means. It's referring to believers, not to the residents of Orlando, Florida. We are peculiar because we have leadership that knows how to follow. We have leaders like Dyer and Jacob who know how to follow a Demings and Mina and rise to the occasion. We are peculiar because we know how to let theological differences and disputes and factions not get in the way of love and Christ. I gotta interrupt here as well. Notice that he pits theology against love. He does he says we don't let our 
differences in theology get in the way of love. I am so weary of that. I am so weary of hearing so many preachers pit doctrine and theology against love, knowledge of God against love for God, as if they are somehow separate, as if they are somehow opposed to one another. Not at all. The Bible teaches no such thing. Paul says in Philippians 1 verse 9, he says, And this I pray that your love would abound still more and more in knowledge and discernment. Dear friends, any love that is divorced from knowledge, from doctrine, from theology is not love. It may be some emotional sentiment, but it is not love. True love, biblical love, is absolutely grounded in and springs forth from knowledge of God. And it is our it, it is sound theology. It is right doctrine that deepens our knowledge of God. And it, it is only when our knowledge of God is deepened that our love for God will be deepened. The Bible never pits knowledge of God against love for God. It always combines these things. And yet you're about to see that he's going to get a standing ovation for what he just said that is profoundly unbiblical. And he's about to say something else for which he will get a standing ovation. I hope you're sitting down for this part. We are the king. Peculiar, I tell you, because we believe in the word and what others would have against us, what others would show as a stumbling stone, we've elevated to be the head of the corner. And right now, no matter what the presence and people of mine may think, that LBGTQ area is the head cornerstone. And we are here to lift up and magnify and allow them to know that regardless of people's opinion, regardless of where we are, love triumphs over evil. Dr. Larry Mills identified the head cornerstone, the chief cornerstone of 1 Peter chapter 2 as the LGBTQ community. Dear friends, the chief cornerstone of 1 Peter chapter 2 is Christ, Jesus Christ, the second person of the triune Godhead, the Lamb without blemish, the Alpha and Omega, God, not the LGBTQ community. That has got to be one of the most shockingly blasphemous things that I have ever heard in my life come from a pulpit. And they gave him a standing ovation. They gave him a standing ovation. And and by the way, by the way, slight tangent here. Can we please stop referring to the LGBTQ community as a community? Because community is a good thing. Community has positive, you know, vibes to it. Community that's a good thing. Community is a good thing. There's nothing good about being LGBTQ whatever. You know, we don't say that for any other group of uh, sinners engaged in a particular sin. We don't talk about the bank robbing community 
We don't talk about the thieving community. We don't talk about the the adultering community. We don't talk about the 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 child molesting community. I mean, we would re. I hope we would. Who knows nowadays? We would recoil at that. Why do we do it for the LGBTQ folks? It's it's sin. It's sin that is condemned by Scripture. But aside from that, the I am at a loss for words as to how shockingly blasphemous and heretical that is. And he got a standing ovation. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That 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 is a testimony to two things, three things. Testimony to how shockingly biblically illiterate every person in that sanctuary was to get to rise and give him a standing ovation for something that is so so shockingly blasphemous. It is also a testimony to the patience and forbearance of God that the entire building did not collapse and kill every person in there at the utterance of some something that blasphemous. And it is a testimony to what a poor pastor Dr. David Youth is. And before you get mad at me, he's a pastor. He's supposed to be a shepherd. And, and one of a shepherd's most sacred goals, or not goals, but responsibilities, is to feed the flock and protect the flock from wolves. If I had been the pastor of that church and I was sitting in the pew watching another pastor in my pulpit uh, say something like, I would have run up on that stage immediately and yanked him out of the pulpit and profusely apologize to everyone there for what was just said and apologize to God and seek God's forgiveness. Nothing like that happened. Gave him a standing ovation. And then I guess at least the next big public uh, debacle regarding homosexuality in the SBC came in 2019, January of 2019, when J.D. Greer, who was the then president of the Southern Baptist Convention preached a sermon on homosexuality. And then one year later, almost exactly to the day, uh, Ed Litton, who is the current president of the Southern Baptist Convention, also preached a sermon on homosexuality. And large, large portions of that sermon he directly lifted from J.D. Greer. And you'll, you'll see that in these brief clips. Now, I've already dealt with this. In fact, I'll put a link to my videos that I did on this uh, some months ago last year. I've already dealt with it, but for those of you who have not seen that video, I want to just kind of show you a couple of brief excerpts from that. So uh, what you're about to see, the clips from J.D. Greer, January of 2019, Ed Litton, current president of the SBC, this was a sermon he preached in January of 2020. So watch this. Jen Wilkin, who's one of our favorite Bible teachers here and who's actually leading our women's conference, she said, she said, we ought to whisper about what the Bible whispers about and we ought to shout about what it shouts about. And the Bible appears more to whisper when it comes to sexual sin compared to its shouts about materialism and religious pride. In the Bible, sexual sin is whispered compared to the shout God makes about greed and judgmentalism. 
So according to J.D. Greer and Ed Litton, the Bible whispers about sexual sin, and yet it shouts about sins like pride and greed. I've already dealt with this. Again, the link included uh, in the description below. But uh, briefly, suffice it to say, dear friends, the very notion that the Bible whispers about sexual sin, that is, that is a stunning thing to say. What Bible are you reading? I mean, honestly, what Bible are you reading? Scripture says that sexual immorality should not even be named among God's people. Ask the residents of Sodom and Gomorrah as fire and brimstone rain down upon them from heaven. If that sounded like a, a whisper to them, I think not. Dear friends, the Bible doesn't whisper about any sin, much less sexual sin. Assuming it's hard for LGBTQ people to get to heaven. We go wrong thinking LGBT people can't go to heaven. Homosexuality does not send you to hell. You know how I know that? Because heterosexuality does not send you to heaven. Homosexuality does not send people to hell. How do I know that? Because heterosexuality doesn't send people to heaven. So J.D. Greer says that homosexuality will not send you to hell. How do I know that? Heterosexuality will not send you to heaven. That is a stunningly unbiblical thing to say. That is actually a line that J.D. Greer lifted from Tim Keller, who said it some years previously. So J.D. Greer lifted it from him, and Ed, and Ed Litton lifted it from J.D. Greer. That is a nice way of saying plagiarized. And Ed Litton has plagiarized J.D. Greer and others voluminously. But anyway, that's another issue. Uh, but that is a stunningly unbiblical thing to say. You would have to have a theological IQ below freezing to believe that statement. Dear friends, yes, homosexuality absolutely will send you to hell because the wages of sin is death, eternal death. Uh, it's not the only thing that will send you to hell, but it absolutely will send you to hell. And Paul is very clear. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 Verse 9, Paul says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Then scripture could not be more clear. It is not inherently sinful to be heterosexual. That's God's design. Being heterosexual is a good thing. Being homosexual is not a good thing. Uh, homosexual, homosexuality and homosexual desire, that is a distinctly post-fall desire. Heterosexual attraction, that was before the fall. Adam and Eve, before the fall, they were attracted to one another. Heterosexual. Okay, that's God's design. Homosexual activity, homosexual attraction, that is distinctly post-fall. And it's an inherently sinful desire. And Paul says that such will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that is, a, that is an absolutely stunning thing to say. Yes, there is heterosexual sin. Obviously, absolutely. But being heterosexual is not sinful. Being homosexual is sinful. The next big public debacle on homosexuality in the SBC came this past November of 2021 when James Merritt, he is a current 
pastor of a large Southern Baptist church, Georgia. Uh, he's former president of the Southern Baptist Convention, but he put this tweet out and he said that he doesn't agree with his son, Jonathan Merritt, on everything to be sure. He said, but he, he, want, he commended this sermon that he preached uh, to you and he called it both brilliant and faithful to the gospel and the coming of Jesus. Now, for the, I've already dealt with this in a previous video that I did. In fact, again, once again, I'll put the link down below in the description. So for those of you who have not seen that, please do watch it so you'll know exactly what I'm talking about here for full context. But Jonathan Merritt is, of course, James Merritt's son, and he's, an, he's a homosexual. He's out of the closet. Um, everybody, I mean, many, many, many people have known, especially those around James and Jonathan Merritt, they've known for years that he is a homosexual. Uh, it's been painfully obvious to everyone, but uh, it's only been in the last year or so that he's officially come out of the closet. He goes to Good Shepherd Church in New York City, and um, I, I went to their website. For one thing, this church doesn't even have a doctrinal statement, but uh, I, I watched a couple of their sermons on the on their on their page, and you tell you can tell real quickly this is a <laughs> is a very liberal church. In fact, so liberal that it's universalistic. Uh, they have said that everyone is a child of God, regardless of religion. You're a child of God. Doesn't matter if you're Buddhist or Hindu or Hare Krishna or you know. Branch Davidian, I guess you'd be. You're a child of God. Well, no, we're not. Um, all of us are creations of God, but only those who have placed their faith in Christ, repented from sin, been adopted into the family of God through the merits of Christ. Only those of us who have done that are children of God, been adopted into God's family. So regenerate people. So this is a blatantly heretical church. So. And Jonathan Merritt is an unrepentant homosexual. He's out of the closet, loud and proud. So he's not a Christian. And, uh, you know, for James to commend a sermon by his son, Jonathan, I know he loves his son, but to truly, to show real love to him, he needs to say, son, as a homosexual, you cannot be a Christian. I implore you to repent place your trust in Christ, repent of your sin. There is freedom in the gospel, in the true gospel. But uh, just to just to have all my ducks in the row, I went and I listened to Jonathan Merritt's sermon. It is not brilliant. It is not faithful to the gospel, nor to the coming of Jesus. In fact, there is not in that entire sermon, I listened to it three times, there is not the faintest hint of the gospel anywhere in it. So this was a big deal for a current pastor of a large Southern Baptist church, former president of the entire denomination to put that tweet out and commend a sermon to everyone preached by an unrepentant homosexual. That's a big deal. And there should have been loud calls for James Merritt's repentance. And there should have been loud calls for him to do that. And if in any anything less than full repentance on James Merritt's part uh, should have warranted his immediate resignation. There should have been calls for his resignation, but outside of a few, uh, there were none. None of the seminary presidents called for him to resign. Um, 
Nothing like that. So just this is yet another example of how the Southern Baptist Convention is capitulating on all of these issues, egalitarian issues, social justice, uh, racial issues, and homosexuality. This is what judgment looks like. That's why I say the Southern Baptist Convention is not headed for the judgment of God. It is in the judgment of God. It is underneath God's judgment. This is what judgment looks like. Um, so now we are going to return to First Baptist Church, Orlando, Florida, because uh, in just the last couple of weeks, there's been um, a lot of um, sad developments and yet further evidence that the Southern Baptist Convention is quickly capitulating on all of these issues. On February 6, 2022, Danny Armas, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but he is the senior associate pastor of First Baptist Church, Orlando, Florida. And um, he had this to say. Now watch this. And this, I give a hat tip to Reformation Charlotte because that is where, um, actually a friend of mine texted uh, this to me and that's how I found it. But uh, watch this. This was dated February 6th, 2022, senior associate pastor of First Baptist Church, Orlando, same church, of course, that had the memorial service with the Pulse nightclub. Watch this. We had longtime members of 50 plus years greeting and welcoming new people who are walking in for the very first time. We have those who love traditional music and hymns and those who know only contemporary music. We have choir lovers and non-music lovers a pipe organ, and loud electric guitars. We have the 99-year-old World War II hero and the millennial immigrant who doesn't know anything about American history sitting on the same row and listening and learning about Jesus together. We have transgender, LGBTQ, straight, single, married, divorced, and cohabitating people. These same people attend, listen, serve, grow and give. Did you catch that? So Danny DeArmas, the senior associate pastor of First Baptist Church, Orlando, Florida, flagship church of the Southern Baptist Convention, says that we have LGBTQ people, transgendered people, cohabitating people, in other words, heterosexual people living in living together, living in sin, um, not married. And he says they are they are serving, they're growing, they're giving. What? Friends, that is, that is unbelievable. These are people who are in habitual, unrepentant sin that, that Scripture absolutely condemns. It marks the lives of people who are unregenerate. And he says they're members of the church. I mean, they're growing, growing. You don't grow in Christ unless you are actually in Christ. Friends, this is stunning. This is a full, complete capitulation to the homosexual agenda, and it is trampling underfoot the Son of God. It is a blatant, blatant disregard for the clear teaching of Scripture, and it is a disregard for God himself. I mean, I just, I, when a friend of mine sent that to me and I watched it, I couldn't believe it. And my response to him was like, wow. I mean, they're, 
I guess I'm not as surprised. I'm not so surprised that they actually believe that, that that's their beliefs, but I'm surprised that they're actually saying it. I mean, they're saying the quiet parts out loud now. Transgendered. I mean, what what's next? Are they going to have drag queen story time for the kiddos in Sunday school like like they do in public libraries? I mean, you may think that's a stretch, but why? Why why would it be a stretch? Unbelievable. We have Democrats, Republicans, independents, and non-registered people. We have documented and undocumented people. We have politically active and socially responsible people. We have pro-life and pro-choice and pro-war and pro-peace. So not only do they have LGBTQ and transgendered people, but they also have pro-choice people. Friends, let me tell you something. If you've got pro-choice members of your church that feel comfortable enough to be in your church, then you're not preaching the gospel strongly enough. That's all there is to it. We have support the blue and Black Lives Matter sitting together and serving together. We have Trumpers and never-Trumpers. We have Biden supporters and Harris supporters. We have the ultra-wealthy and the indigent sitting together, singing together, and serving together. We have the social elite and the social outcast. We have the best-dressed and the barely-dressed. And in the midst of all of this, we have one of the most beautiful worship experiences you can possibly imagine. Because all of us gather around the good news of Jesus and the one who is changing us and the one who unifies us. And we celebrate how he has set us all free from our bondage to sin and given us eternal life. Jose, we are First Orlando. What a confusing and mind-blowingly illogical thing to say. So all these people, the transgender people, LGBTQ people, the cohabitating heterosexuals living in sin, uh, the pro-choice people who think it's okay to kill babies. Um, all of us sit around and we, we worship. We have a wonderful worship experience around the gospel that changes us, changes us and sets us free from sin. Well, apparently not. Apparently not. I, that is just like I, I, you. You want to you want to just go to this guy and say, "Okay, say that again, slowly." It's just absolutely stunning to me. But this is who they are at First Baptist Church, Orlando. So this past Sunday, as of this recording, as of this recording yesterday, February thirteenth, Sunday, February thirteenth, uh, the senior pastor David Youth uh, got up and he. I guess uh, caught enough uh, enough uh, criticism that he felt like he needed to address this again, and so he did of sorts. So let's let's see what he has to say. The way I like to say it is that everyone needs a safe place to explore faith. The church needs to be that safe place. For them to come and explore faith. That's what the go means in terms of just being around us. Okay, the first thing I'll say here, if I never hear safe place or safe space again, it would not be soon enough. I am so weary of hearing about safe spaces like, ugh, 
seriously. But I digress. Okay, so he's got up a screen, and he's got the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20 on his screen, and he highlights the word go, go therefore and make disciples. And he says that's what that go means, for us to be in church and be around one another. What? That That is emphatically not what that means. The go therefore means to go out from a local, from, important preposition there, from a local body of believers, go out into the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. That's what it means. It doesn't mean being around unregenerate people and welcoming them as members and so they can serve and grow, grow in their what, in their lost state. I mean, that, that is, that, that is, that, that is as bad of hermeneutics as what Larry Mills, we saw from Dr. Larry Mills with his peculiar people. It is, it is that bad or worse. And incidentally, I couldn't help but notice the striking parallel between the styles of Dr. David Youth and Andy Stanley. And if you know anything about Andy Stanley, uh, he is way off the rails theologically. Uh, his church baptizes homosexuals, open, homo, open, unrepentant homosexuals, baptizes them, has them give their quote-unquote testimony. And uh, so anyway, just striking parallels uh, between both the style and the theology of these two false churches led by false pastors. So let me read you an article I came across. I thought this was very interesting, the timing of it. This is an article that... Um, is an outreach magazine. It's a trade magazine. Some of you are in businesses or professions where you have trade magazines. I remember my father-in-law, a physician, used to always hand the American Medical Journal to me. Uh, and I'm like, I don't, why do I need this? He said, well, this is stuff we get all the time and we read it to try to be better doctors. Well, this is a magazine to help churches be better churches. It's called Outreach. Listen to the, I'm quoting an article, Okay. When a non-Christian is allowed to be a full participant in a community and get an up-close look at what difference the gospel actually makes in people, he or she is given a front-row seat to the working of the Holy Spirit in our midst. To say people who don't yet know whether they want to give their lives to Jesus, you can't serve here, your voice won't be heard, that's a quick way to shut down the process of their discovering whether or not Jesus is even someone they want to give their life to. I once heard he quotes somebody, and the somebody he quotes is from this church. He grew up here, and he pastors a church in California. His name is Erwin McManus. Okay, brief interruption here. Erwin McManus, you, you may have heard that name. He was uh, one of the early emergent guys. You remember the emergent church, and Erwin uh, McManus is a false teacher in and of themselves. He is known for not being clear about the gospel, not being clear about sin, repentance, faith in Christ, just this ephemeral, squishy, emergent kind of guy. But back to Dr. Youth. He quotes, the article quotes him, listen to this. I once heard Erwin McManus say, every truly healthy church has two things, heretics and people who are sexually immoral. 
To translate, a church that consists of only committed Christians probably has lost sight of its mission and resembles more the frozen chosen than the messy community that God has in mind that journeys with people as they discover Jesus. Friends, that is a shocking thing to say. For Dr. David Youth to get up and say in front of his entire church, all of his congregants, that any healthy church must have two kinds of people in it. Heretics and sexually immoral people. What? That, by him saying that, he shows he shows that he has absolutely no understanding of what a church is. The truth of the matter is, is he probably does. I mean, he knows the scriptures. The fact of the matter is, is he just doesn't like the scriptures. He doesn't like what the Bible says about a church. He doesn't like, he is showing his disdain for the church. He's showing his disdain for the church. He's showing his disdain for Christ. The church is not to be, to say that a a healthy church must have heretics and sexually immoral people. No, Paul says sexual immorality is not supposed to even be named among the saints. It's not supposed to even be named among you. But to welcome these people in as as members where they can grow and serve? Are you kidding me? And I guess I can't even say I'm surprised at this given what we already saw what happened at his church six years ago at the memorial service. So I can't say that I'm surprised at that. That is a, he is diametrically opposed to the biblical definition of a church. A church, ecclesia, you've probably heard that word. Um, Ecclesia, ek. The preposition ek means out of, out from. Klesia, from the Greek word kaleo, which means to call. And by the way, that, that call there, that's not a, you know, well, if you're free, if, you, if, you can, if you'd like to, drop by. If you don't, no big deal. No, that kaleo, that is a, that's a summons. And so the church, those who have been called out from the world, those who have been summoned out of the world by the most holy, thrice holy God, creator of the universe. He has summoned us out of the world, out of darkness into light, out of sin into newness of life in Christ, out of the world into the family of God. We have been called out. We have been summoned out of the world. We live in the world, yes, but we are not to associate. We are not to have worldly unregenerate people as members of our church serving and growing by definition an unregenerate person cannot grow what's he going to grow in his his unregenerateness his lost condition is he going to grow in that the apostle paul cannot be more clear dear ones first corinthians chapter 5 verse 11 paul says but now i am writing to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is sexually immoral person or greedy or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one, not even to eat with such a one, not to have them as members of your church where they can grow and serve and give. And, you know, no, that's not what a church is. A church is not supposed to look like the world. If you're going to a church that looks like the world, then you're not going to a church. You're going to a goat farm. So get out of there. Get out from among them. Be separate. We're supposed to be separate. Now, don't misunderstand me. 
Am I saying we should not invite lost people to church? I'm not saying that at all. I do that. But they're not members. They don't serve. No, it's very it's very clear. There's there's a difference to be a member of a church, of a true biblical church, and you've got to have a testimony. And unless you have a testimony about how God has saved you, then you're not a member of that church. You're not serving. You're not growing. You've got to be regenerate to grow. You've got to be regenerate to worship. By definition, a lost person cannot worship. Dr. David Youth is showing his disdain for the church. He's showing his disdain for scripture. These men are not pastors. These are hirelings. And if you think that's harsh, dear friends, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We are bound by the word of God. God's word is our authority. Not our whims and fancies and how we think church ought to be. No, God's word is the authority. And if by some chance you're watching this video and you're a member of First Baptist Church, Orlando, Florida, get out. My word to you, my encouragement to you is to get out. A church is not going to rise to a level of spiritual maturity above that of its leadership. And if you're in a church that does not have biblically qualified men as its leaders, and First Baptist Church, Orlando, emphatically does not have that, get out. Leave it. Get out. Flee. And find a good church in Orlando. There are some good churches in Orlando. This is not one of them. The SBC is in trouble. It's in a lot of trouble. It's The ship is going down. The very fact that there have not been loud calls for these men to resign, the very fact that that every person in their, in their church at First Baptist Orlando is not lined up outside their doors demanding them to repent or resign is a testimony to how, how untaught these people are. That's not a church. That is not a church. SBC is in trouble. It is under. This is what the judgment of God looks like. And dear ones, please understand that I'm not doing this video to be to be mean or to win a doctrinal debate. That that is not the point of this. I do it because I'm grieved. Um, I was I was born and reared Southern Baptist, and I was thir- I was Southern Baptist for the first 37 years of my life. I'm, 49 now almost and um so i've been out of it for a while and um (laughs) you know you can do you can do church outside of the southern baptist denomination i know a lot of people i know how this is because i this was me i you know when you're raised in that you're surrounded by that your entire life you just cannot imagine doing church in any other way other than within the southern baptist framework but once you kind of once you kind of break out of that and then you realize oh wow you know yeah we can do church outside of the southern baptist convention we can do missions in fact our church does missions we just don't send a check to the cooperative program we actually send checks to missionaries imagine that and we support the work that they're doing there's no middleman uh so you know you can once you break out the out of the mold, you realize that they, you can do missions and you can do church outside of the SBC. Um, but also, I, I do this because because I actually believe what Scripture says. I actually believe 
that people who die in these sins in an unrepentant state, I believe that they go to hell. I believe that's what awaits them because that's what scripture teaches. And I also believe that the most, the, the purest form of hatred is to know the truth and not tell them. I think that's, that, that's the purest form of hatred that there is. To know someone is in spiritual danger, know what the word of God teaches, but not to tell them, to dilute it, to paper over it, to, you know, just that, that is, that's the worst form of hatred there is. If you really want to show love to someone, love them enough to tell them the truth. And I love people enough to tell them the truth. I love homosexuals enough to tell them the truth that yes, if they die in their sin, as they are right now, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will go to hell where there will be wailing, weeping, and gnashing of teeth. But the good news of the gospel is that if you will repent of your sin, turn from sin, and place your faith in Christ and what he did on the cross, the God-man willingly laid down his life on the cross. This perfect person offered his perfect life as a perfect sacrifice to perfectly satisfy the perfect wrath of God, died on the cross three days later, bodily raised from the dead, proving himself to be who he said he was, God in human flesh. And if you will place your trust in him, in the real Jesus, you will pass from death to life. And you can join the ranks of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, not verses 9 and 10, but you can join the ranks of those in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. For such were some of you. You were those things. You were a homosexual. You were a liar. You were a drunkard. You were a reviler. You were a swindler. But you're not anymore. Now you're in Christ. Now you're in Christ. Now you've been adopted into the family of God. Such were some of you. You can join those ranks if you will repent of your sin and place your trust in Christ. And I love you enough to tell you that. Thank you so very much for watching, dear ones. Until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.